Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Gary Wilson Podcast. So glad you're here with us today. Over the next few weeks, we're going to uh, do a deep dive into some issues of the soul, of the heart, of spiritual transformation, how God can take our brokenness, our woundedness, our captivity to sin, and not only call us to repentance, which is so important, but also call us to the glory of God shining through our life to become all that God has intended us to be. Uh, over this past few weeks and over the few months to come, the Gerwickson podcast is really t- touching on an issue. We actually gave another category name name for it uh, of, of speaking of the renovation of the heart for kingdom leaders. Whether you are a, a leader in your own home, uh, a leader of a small group, a leader of a women's fellowship, or a leader of a ministry or of a church, of a missions organization, you are a kingdom leader. And we want to see your heart renovated. What do we mean by that? To be renewed, to be revived, to be quickened, to be awakened, to come into the fullness that God has for you. And our special guest over these next two weeks in, in this particular series is Adam Young. He's a therapist, a Christian counselor, who uh, I think more than anybody I have ever met in this uh, field, uh, in this labor of, of counseling ministry, pastoral counseling, I've never come across anybody who has such a profound insight into God's heart for us and into our heart and the need for transformation and how we can overcome certain things that are hindering us and debilitating us from being all that God's intended us to be. So I, I really want you to tune into these next few weeks, particularly love for you to join all of these uh, part of these series about renovating the heart for kingdom leaders. Uh, the outcome of this, I truly believe with all my heart, is going to be a transformed leader, a transformed ministry that'll bring forth greater glory to God and transform lives. So stay tuned for this next uh, episode here with, uh, I'm going to have Adam Young join me. God bless you. Well, people come to therapy for, you know, two or three reasons, either relationship problems. It's either relationship problems or problems with emotions, typically. So they, they are coming in because things are not well in their life. So they'll come in and they'll say, this is why I'm here. From there, the question is, well, how did you come to have that symptom? Because symptoms don't uh, spontaneously develop. They are rooted in our stories. Hi, welcome to the Gary Wilson Podcast. So glad you're with us here today. We have a real special guest here with us today, and I'm excited about hearing some things. I think it's going to really be a, a, a very tender moment, a very important moment in your heart, in your life, maybe in some of your relationships you have. We have uh, Adam Young with us. Adam, thanks for joining us here today on the podcast. Yeah, you bet. It's fun to be here. Glad glad you are. I mean, we're going to be talking about some fun stuff, but uh, before we do, can you just take a moment to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, the work that you're doing, who you are as a person, maybe your family? Sure. Um, I'm married. I've got two kids. Um, I live in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is an hour north of Denver, and I'm a therapist, a trauma therapist. Um, so I do uh, therapy with couples and individuals that have a history of trauma or abuse. And I also host a podcast uh, called The Place We Find Ourselves, which is focused on the intersection of story, uh, trauma, and therapy. And I do some speaking and some, you know, during COVID, some online conferences as well about story and how to engage your story. I noticed also you're a fellow at the Dan Allender Center. Yes, yes. Uh, what, does that, fe- what does that consist of? Um, so t- it means that I lead groups um, f- 
with the Story Workshop, which is one of the Allender Center offerings. And then also they have a narrative focused trauma care certificate program. And I lead a group for all of, for both of those. Beautiful, beautiful. And just real briefly, trauma, a quick description of that. What do you mean by trauma? So the essence of trauma is really two things. It's an experience of helplessness combined with abandonment by potentially protective caregivers. So it's important to understand that trauma is not about the event so much as what happens in your body after the event, which is why trauma continues to affect us, you know, after the incident itself. So you can have um, a traumatic experience that kind of lives on in your mind, your heart, your body for years to come. And until it's engaged, until it's metabolized, uh, you will experience symptoms from that trauma. Um, relational symptoms, bodily symptoms, um, emotional symptoms, uh, because trauma affects our brains and our bodies uh, profoundly. Wow. Yeah. So it, maybe the old school thinking was trauma would had had to rise to a certain threshold, or it wouldn't be called trauma. So like if you yes. were if you were sexually abused, or if you uh, were physically abused, or maybe you faced trauma in a war type setting. Yes. That, that would be classified as trauma. Uh, but that's not necessarily the case. You can somebody could have the same uh, effect of a trauma, and it not necessarily, in our you know worldview, rise to that same level. Is that correct? Y- yes, and it's important to note that there's this thing called developmental trauma, and developmental trauma refers to your earliest relationship with your primary caretakers in which you were not attuned to, responded to, engaged with. There was no one kind of regulating your nervous system. Um, There was no space for your negative emotions in your home. That environment creates what we call developmental trauma. And that sets you up in life actually for future single incident traumas, which is why the statistics are that, um, you know, people who have a history of, for example, rape are way disproportionately, uh, it's the case that they've experienced sexual abuse as kids. And, um, and that's because there is a setup for adult onset trauma based in your childhood relationships with your primary caretakers. Wow. Can trauma also be um, not an event, but is this, am I, if I'm hearing correctly, it sounds like you're talking about a child could go through trauma just maybe by years and years of yes. a parent not being emotionally available to them or something yes. like that. that. Okay, so that can yes. be considered trauma as well. Uh, yes, and the reason it's considered trauma is because it impairs critical brain portions of your brain that you need to be a healthy functioning individual in the world. And so it's not necessarily a particular incident that happened on this day, like a war crime, for example, or a, a horrific war event that happened on you know, September 23rd of this year. Right. It is also the collective experiences that a child has in, a, in an emotionally impoverished home. Well, that's important what you're doing. Um, one of the words you just used is attunement. Um, that, that, so without attunement, I want you to talk about what, what is attunement and then what life like with it or without it. Sure. So attunement refers to 
when you are able to read the inner state of your child or you or you have the desire to it's not a magical ability it is simply the desire the willingness and the ability to know something of what's going on in the heart and mind of your five-year-old son, your 12-year-old daughter. When you are on the receiving end of attunement, you know that the other person knows something about what's happening inside of you. And that makes you feel connected to them. It makes you feel joined. It's the essence of being with. And it makes you feel very safe. When you know that someone else is attuned to you and that they're for you, you feel very safe in their presence. So attunement is absolutely essential for really emotional and mental health. And the reason for that is because we're created in the image of a triune God, a, a we and not an I. Therefore, we are hardwired for connection, relational attunement and connection with other human beings. We, we need it to, to, to feel safe and to feel whole and really to have a sense that our perception of the world is accurate. Unless that's mirrored to us through the validation of another person, we can kind of feel crazy. We can feel like, hey, my understanding of reality is off and that wreaks havoc in somebody's mind and heart. Wow. Yeah. Um... So what would that look like in a, in a family of origin? A, a, you're growing up in a household. Um, what would it look like to be attuned to a parent or a caretaker? Or what would it be like to not be attuned as far as real practical things that are taking place? Yes. So sadly, um, you know, many people grow up in homes in which they come home from a really hard day at middle school. Like take a 12-year-old girl who her two best friends have turned on her and she's devastated and her face reflects that devastation at the dinner table. Her mother can either be attuned to what she sees on her daughter's face, namely the devastation and therefore be cued to say, honey, what's wrong? Did something bad happen at school today? That would be attunement or The mom can see that her daughter's face is devastated and not pursue her, not respond to her, not ask her any questions, uh, act as if she doesn't notice her daughter's heartache. That's an example of misattunement. Right. And an example of attunement would be what? An example of attunement is the first first situation where the mom notices uh, or the dad notices that, you know, his daughter's not acting the way she normally does. Maybe there's something wrong. Maybe something happened that day at school. And so the dad has this sense of, what, sweetie, what's wrong? And he responds to her by asking, did something bad happen today? Or what's going on for you? It's a pursuit that's based on an awareness of there's something off about my daughter today. This isn't her normal face at dinner. She's not well. The person that's helping that girl, she comes home from middle school, the mom or dad's there. Um, it's, it's, as I hear you describe this, I, I could be wrong, you know more because you're dealing with a lot of people, but it seems like it's a, that's a kind of a rare bird, uh, a t- real attunement in a family life. Um, 
it's 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 not I don't I wouldn't understand it as to be a common thing. It seems like there's more. I'm busy. You're busy. I've got this on my mind. You've got your friends. You got your cell phone up. You know. And so so mm -hmm. is, am I accurate to say attunement is is somewhat rare today? I don't know that I would say it's rare. I mean, this gets into the the research on attachment and okay. what we know is that you know at least half the population is what's called securely attached, which means that they have experienced attunement in their family of origin. The result of, of attunement and responsiveness and engagement is that you develop what's called a secure attachment. And we have lots of research about attachment. And we know that you know, at least half the population is securely attached. Or you know, different studies show different things. But, so I wouldn't call it rare, Gary. Right. But um, sadly, what you're describing in terms of you know parents being on cell phones and that sort of thing uh, profoundly affects the emotional and mental health of a child. A child needs attunement for their brain to develop properly. Yeah, and that, so then the attunement and attachment. What's the difference between attunement and attachment? Well, at attachment refers to the way in which you connect to and relate with other people in your world. And there are four attachment styles that have been developed, you know, kind of researched and developed. And secure attach, securely attached is one of those. And secure attachment means that you have an embodied sense of hope when there is relational rupture. So for example, you're in a fight with your spouse, a securely attached person will have the hope that this, this wedge between us will, will go away. We will talk this through and we will become close and connected again. And it will happen without either one of us having to sacrifice our individuality. Mm -hmm. That's secure attachment. It's a lovely place to be. Now, there are three categories of insecure attachment. Um, do you want me to go into them or yes, not please. get it? Yeah, I would love yeah? that. Okay. Yeah, thank you. So yeah. the, the, first, the first is called ambivalent attachment. And ambivalent attachment um, develops when you have an inconsistent and at times intrusive primary caregiver. So sometimes mom or dad is there for you and sometimes they're not. It all depends on what's going on for them. And then there's the category of intrusiveness. Uh, with ambivalent attachment, it, it develops when mom or dad is intrusive. In other words, for example, a mother who is closer to her son than she is to her husband. Mm. That's called triangulation and it results in ambivalent attachment. That's what I mean by intrusiveness. When mom and dad are not emotionally close and connected, what often happens is that mom or dad will look to one of the children for emotional connection, closeness, companionship. And that intrusiveness into the life of the child often results in an ambivalent attachment. Now, avoidant attachment, the next category, is what happens when your caregiver is dismissive and or rejecting. So it's this sense for the child of no matter what I say or do, I can't get my mom or dad to respond to me, to care about me, to engage with me. And so I get this sense that I'm alone in the world. And if I'm going to make it, I need to figure it out on my own. 
and I can't really trust anyone to be there for me. That's avoidant attachment. And then there's a fourth category called disorganized attachment, which is what develops when the object of uh, security and comfort, namely your mom or dad, is also a source of terror. So when you're being physically abused, for example, by your father, but your father also is the person you run to for comfort and care, that creates what they call disorganized attachment because it's a ripping inside. You're pulled toward your dad for the comfort and you're repulsed by your dad because he's also hitting you. And that creates chaos in the brain. It, it literally splits sections of your brain from each other and it results in what's called disorganized attachment. Wow. Man, for, for somebody like yourself, Adam, who is ministering to people day in and day out and you have this view of the, what, what a person is in the image of God, you, you have already talked about the idea of the Trinity and, and community, and then somebody sits in your office and they may just be, you see the brokenness of their heart and their life uh, and you see this, uh, you know, all the stuff that's going on that's, that's not aligned to the, to the triune nature of God or you know, people treating us in the image of God. Um, so so when, when you see these, these folks that, that you're ministering to, do, do you um, like? How, how do you dig into that? How, how do you do you? Or do you, you obviously you can't ask them like, "Hey, what kind of attachment do you have?" You, right. Um, right. So, so uh, how how do you dig into somebody's heart to help them understand some of these issues that they're talking about? You're talking. Yeah. About? Well, people come to therapy for you know two or three reasons: either relationship problems, it's either relationship problems or problems with emotions, typically. So. They, they are coming in because things are not well in their life. There's a lack of shalom either with relationships or intrapersonally with their big feelings. You know, they're panicking. They have excessive worry. They have immense fear. They have, uh, you know, intense anger, anger outbursts. So they'll come in and they'll say, this is why I'm here. From there... The question is, well, how did you come to have that symptom? Because symptoms don't uh, spontaneously develop. They are rooted in our stories. And so if somebody is angrily, you know, losing it with their 15-year-old son, and they have a pattern of doing that from the time their son was, you know, an infant, there's a reason for that. And that reason is rooted in their story, which by story, I mean their experience growing up in their family of origin. And there can be you know, a dozen different reasons that someone loses it with their 15-year-old son, but those reasons need to be named with particularity and traced back to the specific and particular stories that compose that individual's life growing up. Because until they understand why they're losing it with their 15-year-old son, they're not going to be able to change it. So this is the, the girl you're talking about, the middle school girl that she comes home, um, and maybe her, you know, her mother is detached from her, yeah. uh, not attuned to her, and maybe the father's really, that, the, the guy you're talking about, abusive, angry, but yet yeah. also sympathetic towards her. So the, the, the mother and the father, they really can't be 
attuned or attached or, or giving them the, their children the opportunity to attach correctly if there's not something being healed, if that's the right word, in their own story? Yes, absolutely. The single greatest factor that influences secure attachment is the degree to which mom and dad have made sense of their own developmental story. This is, this is just heavily researched. We know this. The single greatest factor that determines the secure attachment of a child is the degree to which mom and dad have made sense of their personal story in their, growing, their family growing up. So for those you know, parents out there that, that want to improve their parenting, the, the biggest bang for your buck on what to invest in is engaging your own story so that you can understand why you get as freaked out with your kid when you do. Because it's not random. There's a reason for it. Behavior is rooted in stories. Yeah, so if your story is, let's let's take this father of the middle school girl, and he he comes, let's say he comes from an abusive childhood himself. Uh, he's never really dealt with it. He's never really thought about it. Never talked to anybody about it. So he doesn't have a whole lot of hope, probably, to change without dealing with it. Uh, to to deal with it, uh, I know we don't have tons of time to, you know, obviously this could be talked about for hour upon hour, uh, but but maybe a starting place for somebody who re- recognizes or listening to us today, and they say, you know, I kind of recognize that, you know, I'm not attuned to my, to my kids. And I, the, the, I don't feel they're gonna be securely attached by the way I'm treating them. If they're, if they're that aware, at least to get that point, uh, wh- where would you go from there with them? How would you try to help them? Rec- uh, to, you know, cause most people don't really, if they're in that place, I don't know if they really know their story. Yes. Um, or, or, or have thought about their story that much. They're maybe repressing it or, denying that it ever happened and stuff like that. So they're not able to deal with themselves. What would you recommend be a way to start if somebody's curious about going that direction in their life? Yeah, well, that's the most important word is curiosity. If Mm -hmm. someone has curiosity about why they are interacting with their children the way they are, that is worth its weight in gold because that will fuel a invest an investigation into their story if they're prompted to and they believe there's reason to look at their story. Uh, And what I'm suggesting is that there is absolutely empirical reason to look at your story if you want to change the way you're parenting your children. So curiosity is just worth its weight in gold. If you're curious and therefore willing to look at your story, where I would begin is uh, tell me three adjectives that describe your relationship with your mother from zero to 18. And then I would ask you to tell me three stories, you know, a story that illustrates how each of those adjectives is true. And the same thing with their father. So they might say, well, my relationship with my mom, I would characterize as detached. I would characterize, uh, somebody might say, uh, we were super close. Okay, well, tell me a story that shows how that relationship was detached. Now you're getting them to think back and to provide some, some specific incidents that illustrate how their relationship with their mom w- was a detached one or how it was an intrusive one, you know, or super close was that would be their word. 
Okay, tell me, what, why do you say super close? Tell me a story that illustrates that. Now you're getting them to think about the specific stories, plural, that make up their story. Yeah, that, uh, the, um, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to, you're not my therapist, so I don't want to sort of, you know, ask for counseling here. But, you know, I, when I think of this, I think of a story. I have a picture of my father and I, uh, I'm standing next to him, I'm maybe 10 years old. And I have this big fish in my hand and a fishing pole, big smile on my face. And he's next to me, he's got his arm around me. And I have, I've had that on my nightstand all, all yes. my years, you know, ever since that time growing up. So, and yeah. so when I tell somebody, you know, I'm, I'm super close, I was super close before my father passed away. I was super close with them. But then this, as I started doing some of the work you're talking about, I, I remembered something about that story. He, he brought me to a place where he had some work to do, dropped me off with one of his staff. His staff took me fishing brought me back to him, and then he came up and put his arm around me and took the picture with me. And I realized, it's like, okay, that I'm not as attuned, you know, we weren't as attuned as, as I thought we were. And so, so sometimes you would even get su surprised, I would think. Yes. Uh, some, somebody might tell you, uh, you know, I was really close to my mom, but then as you dig into, she starts telling the stories, you could probably read, like, maybe it wasn't as close as you thought. Yes, absolutely. I mean, what you just shared is a perfect illustration of the power of story work, the power of looking at your story. As you pondered that's the story of that photograph that means so much to you, you realized there was more to the story than you had thought. Yeah. You're, you were uh, fishing with your dad's coworker, not your dad. And, right. and, and then the next step, of course, is to engage the feelings that that realization evokes in you. Mm. You know what, what? And so I would ask you, what, what, what's it like to realize that? What, what do you feel about that? You know, uh, it, was that an anomaly or was that common? You know, right. do you have other stories of your dad kind of being with you, doing fun stuff, or? Was your dad often absent from your life, but kind of providing a surrogate stand-in for himself with a, you know, and so it, it, it brings up further curiosities so that you might name with, with particularity what your relationship with this man who was your father was like. Wow. Yeah, then, you know, I, I don't know whether it's you, I, I listen to a lot of your podcast, which I highly recommend. Um, people that are listening to us today dig a little deeper because you uh, and we'll put in the show notes all these words we're talking about because when I first heard you talk about these things they were kind of foreign words to me I didn't know what attunement meant or attachment or secure attachment or ambivalent attachment uh, you know as without knowing my, my wife and I told you earlier that was the first one to start listening to your podcast and she started using these this language and I was intrigued but also uh, just be honest with you, maybe a little turned off. It's like, you know, why, why, why is she using biblical words? You know, why? Right, <laughs> you know, we're, right. we're a pastoral family. And so, uh, but, it, but it made sense. These words made sense to me. And then, you know, it kind of helped me start digging in. But one of the, I say all that just to say, I can't remember whether it's you or Dan Allender uh, said, you know, it, you know so, I, so I have this picture on my nightstand and it provoked, it had evoked certain emotions. Now it evokes certain other emotions. But the, the reason that's not, it's not harmful to go back into that story is because, or a lot of times we don't want to go back to that story because we feel like we're going to blame our parents. And I yes. think it was you or Dan that said, uh, it's, 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 you don't have to blame, but you have to name. 
Yes. Uh, you have to you have to name that that was that was a that was that was a touch of abandonment there. You're not yes. blaming them. You know, you're just saying, but you, you know, and, and so, so a lot of people don't want to go back into their story because they're afraid. Oh, I'm just going to get into that. You know, my mom did that. My dad did yes. that. Yeah. You know, uh, but but if you can name it, then then you're not necessarily uh, trying to degrade your parents or de- denounce them. You're you're facing the reality of your situation. Yes, and the the call of God is to honor your father and mother, and honor requires honesty. There is nothing honoring about turning a blind eye to what was true. Blame has to do with a posture of condemnation or contempt. So there is a difference between naming what was true in your relationship with your mother when you were in middle school and blaming her. And the difference is your posture. And it doesn't mean you don't get angry. It doesn't mean you don't have sorrow. It doesn't mean that you don't you know, get furious at times. But it, the question is, are you willing to honor your mother and father enough that you are willing to name with honesty and eyes wide open to what actually happened in your growing up years? Wow, and then uh, places you can do that can you know uh, beside uh, is is the uh, the Christian counseling office the best place the only place or uh, how would you recommend people that want to start digging into their story? Yes, uh, where do they go for that? Yes, um, I would recommend the Allender Center. You mentioned Dan Allender, uh, the Allender Center, which is named after Dr. Dan Allender, uh, has many offerings both. Um, online digital courses, and then also uh, groups where, uh, for example, the Story Workshop, where you are invited to write one of your stories of heartache or harm or tragedy from your growing up years, and uh, you read it to a group of people with a trained facilitator and a guide. And that guide, um, your group leader, helps you put language to some of the dynamics that are present in that story, which in turn helps you understand, okay, this is what my relationship with my mom was like, at least in this story. And that work is sacred and holy, and it can, and it's being done uh, every day at the Allender Center. So I, I recommend you can go to the allendercenter.org. And then another, uh, if you want, kind of dip your toe in the water, uh, a little bit e- more easily. Uh, the book To Be Told by Dan Allender is a great place to start. And there's a workbook that goes along with it that asks you questions designed to help you put some words to your story. So To Be Told uh, is a, a great kind of initial start. Yeah, yeah I've read to, to Be Told and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very thought-provoking book and uh, The Wounded uh, Healer. The Wounded Heart. The, the Wounded Heart is another book by Dan Allen. I yes. Think, I think both of us would probably highly recommend as well. That's a little yes. more specific to a particular area of, of trauma, I think, in some degrees, but uh, yes. certainly worth <clears throat> worth reading. And then, uh, you know, I would also say, uh, you know, a Christian counseling, Christian therapist would be mm-hmm. a, a good place, especially, especially people like yourself and others that, uh, um, you know, really let you tell your story. Uh, yes, you know that that really talk to you know that that, that you know, your heart could be open with, uh, and and I think some pastors are equipped with that. 
I think, I think there's a, mm-hmm. there's been some good stuff happening in local churches. You know, not always. Um, you know, so, sometimes there's more moralistic type uh, mm-hmm. worldview in in pastoral counseling, but I think that'd be be worth it. Um, if you, I don't know if you know this offhand or if you have it in front of you, but the, some of the things we've been talking about today, the attachment style attunement, uh, you have some podcasts that could yeah. help our listening audience go a little bit deeper because you take maybe almost an hour uh, yeah. to talk about one issue. We've talked about three or four here in our half hour. Uh, do you mind uh, giving us, do you have uh, the name of the podcast again? The, sure. the place we find ourselves? Yeah, yes. No, and, yeah. yeah, the podcast is called The Place We Find Ourselves, um, episodes Five and seven are specific to attachment, what it is, why it matters. And then I go into the attachment categories and talk about how you can know kind of what your attachment style is. So that's episodes five and seven. Uh, Episodes one and two are about story and specifically about your family of origin story. Um, so I, you know, that would be a great place to start if you're interested in this content. And then you can just go to my website, which is adamyoungcounseling.com and look at, uh, you know, there's 105 episodes right now and just look at the ones that with titles that intrigue you. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Uh, you're, and you're kind enough to join us again on our next episode. So we're going to take a break here and, uh, come back and talk about some really key issues here. Um, uh, you know, I really believe I, I, I'm in full agreement with you and talk about how, how the evil one uh, is constantly bombarding us with these accusations. And then sometimes we move into agreements with those. So on our next episode, we'll take some time to talk, uh, break that down a little bit and talk about it. Thank you, Adam, for being with us today and look forward to joining you next time. Okay. Thank you. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ.